Good morning. How's everybody doing? Are the kids all back in school? Yeah? Moms are happy? Yes? Unless you're a teacher, right? Then it's a different scenario. Uh, one announcement. I always forget to make announcements. People ask me to make announcements. And I get up here and I forget to make an announcement. And uh, this morning I've been reminded by four different people to make this announcement. So I am remembering. It must be important. I think it's rather significant. On Wednesday, there's a significant event happening among the members of a Greater Alton Church, and that is Bob and Faye Hawkins. Would you stand up for us, please, just so everybody know who you are? Bob and Faye are celebrating their 65th year together in marriage. Now, a lot of you are that are more that have been around for a while and familiar with them. They had a they had a they're, they're an amazing story that I'm sure they'd love to share with you if you're, if you're so interested. They've shared it with the whole church before, but they had a, a gap in that 65 years where they were divorced and, and then the Lord led them back together. And so it's a very exciting story. So for them to be together for 65 years, it's amazing. And uh, it says a lot about Faye, I think is what it says, isn't it really? <laughs> so guys, if you want to know, I mean, it's a secret, young men. I mean, you know, Bob told me this. He's, he's made it rather clear. You know, he needed... What he really needed was an older woman. He had to marry somebody older than him. Is that right? She's like, what, 17, 18 days older? <laughs> Something like that. So anyway, uh, congratulations, Baba Faye. We are talking about, as you can see on your bulletin, Connect Four, which is a game that Mike told you all about. I believe, has, let me just ask the question. Who has never played Connect Four? Thank you, Frank. I have no memory of ever playing the game myself. I don't, I don't remember having it in our house. I don't remember playing it with our kids. If we did, maybe I'm just, you know, early onset. I don't know. Uh, but I can't tell you stories like Mike did last week about it. And, and really the, the name is just, is just designed what we're going to talk about. For four weeks we're talking about connection. And Mike very, very well last week talked about that we were created for connection. Um, I think that anybody that has any kind of a, a look at our society, we people crave connections. You know, I'm amazed at what we've witnessed in, in the last 20, 30 years with the growth of the Internet and smartphones and apps. And the most significant one in my mind is all the relationship apps. I mean, I never would have dreamed that there would be so many. But I think it's just a testimony that we, man is not created to live alone. That's what God said in the beginning. After he created the first man and there was no women around yet, no other humans, he said it's not good for man to be alone. And so we were created for connection. And last week Mike did a wonderful job of talking about how God has made the first move in this drive for to meet our connection needs by making himself available to us. By creating a path. And all through the story of the Bible, he has pursued connection with human beings. From the beginning in the Garden of Eden to, to, to building the tabernacle and the temple and choosing Abraham to be the father of his chosen nation. And finally with Jesus coming and dying on the cross and providing a way for, for us to have an, a, a simple way to connect. He's saying 
I made the first move. I want to be connected to you. If you're here this morning and you wonder, God wants to have a connection with you. And today, this morning, we're going to be talking about that it's your move. God's made the first move. Mike talked about last week. This week, we want to talk about our move. How do we respond to God? How do we make that connections? Um, and guys, as we do that, I want to, I want to, I want to start by defining something. Okay. And I think we have to look at this rather closely. And, 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 and we'll dig deeper into this as we go along, but we have to understand what connection is supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be. Okay? Years ago, I mean, an old preacher story, I, I heard this growing up, the preacher I heard growing up, he'd talk about many times that you can take two cats and tie their tails together and throw them over a clothesline. Okay? And they're connected! Okay? But it's not a good situation. Okay? And so when you look about connection with God, what is it supposed to be like? What is, how am I, what is it all about? Uh, and you see, most of us have an idea. And one of the things that, that one of the ways we look at it, uh, I was listening to some uh, uh, college professor, actually, speak about the book of Job this week. And he was talking about something that, that he referred to as the retribution principle. I don't know how many of you have heard of that term. It's kind of new to me. And it's basically... And when it comes to relationship with God, the book of Job is all about putting the retribution principle on trial. And that retribution principle simply says, we get what we deserve. We live a good life, we get good things. You live a bad life, you get bad things. Okay? And as most of you know, if you're familiar with the book of Job at all, that ain't how it worked out. Job was nearly a perfect man, had great blessing, they all got taken away, and it wasn't because he did something wrong. And so guys, sometimes we can have a, that's just a good example of a wrong idea of what connection or relationship with God is all about. It's not about, hey, I'm gonna get what I deserve. If I live right, God's gonna give me the good stuff. Or, if I start living right, all the bad stuff's gonna end. Okay? Sometimes we approach even God like a genie. You know, let's rub the bottle. This is what I want. That's not what connection with God's all about. And for the purpose of this, I, I, I know I have to be brief because we're not digging down on this. But I believe the connection that God is leading us to, His purpose and His desire for connection with us, is because we were created to represent Him on this earth. That's what made in the image of God is all about. You can say, we were made in the image of God. We were made to image God. Practically speaking, I say, I am to represent God. His thoughts, His desires, His actions. That's what my life is all about. Me connecting with God is so that I can align my thoughts and values with Him so that then I can represent Him accurately in my life. Guys, that's what Jesus did. If you look at Hebrews 1 and the first four verses, it tells us that Jesus was the exact representation of God. Okay, that's a definition of sinless, by the way. He represented God 100% accurate in every possible way and never misrepresented Him. Sin is merely a misrepresentation of God. In John 1, verse 14, talking about Jesus, it says the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. 
We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus displayed God while He was here on earth. And we're called to do the same thing. Now, if we're honest, guess what? We don't do a very good job of it. And that's what connection is. And we're going to look at two guys today who who made that connection. But before we get there, uh, I want to look at this passage here in Psalms 42, verses 2 and 3. And guys, I believe the psalmist here is accurately representing what the desire to connect with God that resides in each one of us. He says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? And guys, I I wanted to start out looking at that passage because I believe all of us have a desire. It may not be this burning desire that this guy, that this psalmist is talking about. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when we sit down quiet with ourselves, we have a desire to connect. It's within each one of us. Now, we may squelch that desire. We may drown and choke that desire out with other desires. But it's given to each one of us. And as we talked about last week, God has already made the first move. So the question is, what moves do I need to make in response? If I'm going to respond to God's desire for connection with me, what do I need to do? To respond to that. And we're going to talk about four things. Get it? Connect four. I didn't do that on purpose, but that's the way it went. Uh, we're going to talk about four things. The first thing, first move I need to make is I need to move to connect with God. I need to make some effort. Now, most of the passages that we're going to be looking at today are in Acts chapter 10. And I would like to read for you Acts chapter 10. I'm sorry we don't have it on the screen if you want to follow along on your phone or your iPad or your, or your Bible. Did anybody bring a Bible? An actual paper one? There you go. Thank you, Bob Quick. Open it up. Acts chapter 10. Guys, we're going to be looking at two individuals who were both connecting with God. Who both needed to have their thoughts and their lives aligned with God. Okay? I'll read you lead along, see if you can see who I'm talking about. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of the Lord who came to him and said, Cornelius! Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. When the angels who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals 
as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. By the way, that's the hunter's verse right there. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They had received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. I hope you could hear all that. If not, I encourage you to go back and read it all on your own. Uh, we have some key verses here uh, in your notes that we can look at. But as the first thing I wanted to talk about, first move we need to make is I need to move to connect with God. And you guys, in this story, you see both Peter and Cornelius. That was their first, that was their move. They were both connecting with God. They made the connection by making the first effort. They were both in prayer when they both had their experience with Cornelius having an angel show up and with Peter uh, falling into this trance and having this vision that was dropped onto them. And uh, that's what you see in your notes there. I, I, I've got it. I don't know if I underlined it, but it talks about Cornelius was a man. He was known for prayer. He was a known for, for, for following the God of the universe. He uh, prayed regularly. And Peter was praying at the same time. Now you see, guys, you see two two men with some very real differences, but yet they're kind of, they're really in the same place. You see, they come from completely different backgrounds. Peter was a Jew. Okay, that means he was part of the people chosen by God as a descendant of Abraham to be God's people, to have a special connection. Cornelius was a Gentile. In fact, he was a Roman Gentile. Okay? He was a Roman soldier. Peter was a fisherman. Um, but, but they were, but they were, they were different. Okay? In the book of Romans, in verses 13 through 15, it describes two different types of people. It describes one who is under the law, meaning they have the book of the law. They have God's written word to listen to, to hear about. They've been exposed to it. And then they have another group that is apart from the law, that does not have the law exposed to them. They, they, have, they don't have the Word of God. He's what he's talking about. Peter is under the law. Cornelius is apart from the law. But this is what it has to say in Romans 2 about them. It says, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. Their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. You see, guys, what's going on here is you have this... What, Paul was talking about in Romans is exactly what this scene is. Peter has the law. Cornelius, as a Gentile, does not. 
He may have had some exposure to it, but he is doing things. That's what the Bible is declaring to us. He is a righteous man. He is doing things that the law requires. He does them naturally. He gives to the poor. He prays to God. Okay, so guys, these are these two men are, are, are men in the same place who are trying to seek God. And they're both representing God in their individual lives the best way that they 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 know. But they're both continue to pray. And I believe that prayer, if not if not the purpose of it in their mind, they're looking for further understanding. They're saying, God, I realize I don't have enough. They're saying, God, I need to have this connection still. I need to have it ongoing. I don't have all the answers. Now, whether they're saying those words or not, I don't know. But I can tell you from what we just read that they were both open to God giving them that information, to giving them a greater understanding. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. In fact, guys, both are examples of what we read about in James. They're examples of righteous men praying. And their prayers bring about powerful results. This is what it says in James chapter 5. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You see, guys, I move to connect with God when I live as a representative of Him and I reach out to connect with Him in prayer. Specifically for the purpose of making my life in more alignment with God. We recognize that there's a tendency for me to not align with God. That's it, guys. The first thing is I move to, I move to connect with God. The second thing is I move to investigate what God reveals. Guys, I, I, I am in utter amazement at the truth of God's word when He says, if you seek, you'll find. And I'm amazed at His patience with me. But guys, I can tell you without a doubt that when you are, you offer sincere prayers to God, sincere prayers of bringing your life before Him and saying, show me what you want me to see. Connect me to you the way you want me to be connected. He's going to answer that prayer. He's going to reveal something to you. He's going to open your mind and give your, give your life a direction that you did not have before. And that is exactly what's going on here, guys. Jews and Gentiles were enemies. And in both situations, he's taking a Jewish man by the name of Peter and a Gentile by the name of Cornelius and said, you guys are going to be together. I want you together. I want the, this. I want connected with both of you. You see, guys, what happens is when, when we're confronted with something that's new and different, we've got to investigate it. We've got to see what's going on. You see, Peter was confronted with this vision of, of this sheet essentially being offered with all kinds of animals clean and unclean and him being told to rise kill and eat and he's going no i've never ate anything unclean now it's interesting it says that played out three times <laughs> you figured you, you think my, after maybe the second time he'd get the picture he wouldn't say right oh, i don't want to eat anything unclean because it's very interesting because there were other times 
where Jesus plainly told Peter and the other apostles that you're going to tell about me, that you're going to tell the good news about me to other nations. You're going to start in Jerusalem and then you're going to go to Judea and then Samaria and then to the other the parts of the world. All nations are going to hear about you through me. Yet Peter did not make the connection when he had this vision. He had to investigate what was going on. Cornelius, on the other hand, had to send for Peter. He didn't know what Peter was going to tell him. But he had to be willing to make the effort. And I guess I just, I know Cornelius was a man of means. He sent, what is it, two soldiers and another trusted servant? Three people on a two-day journey? To ask somebody else to show up? And then Peter has to go with people he considers unclean? That he's not supposed to be around? All because of this vision. God's revealing something to him. He says, okay, this, he knew it was from God. He knew it connected with God. And he says, I've got to investigate what's going on. And guys, from the story, you can see they both investigated and they asked questions. I love it when Peter gets there. He says, okay, what'd you send for me for? What are you, what's, what's this all about? They asked questions and they, they listened. Guys, I want to say something, you know, as you're pursuing God, He's, He's, God's revealed lots of things to me in many times and many ways. But the primary way to investigate what God has revealed to me today is to go back and to look at what His Word has to say. He's, I know without a doubt, He's not going to reveal to me something different than what He has told me already. And that's what I, what, where we compare, uh, Peter to. When Peter is saying, listen, identifying with Gentiles was, was supposed to be wrong. Eating with them was supposed to be wrong. But yet Jesus had told them, the Word of God had said, what? You're gonna to speak to all nations. You're gonna tell other nations about me. I'm here for the Gentiles too. And so guys, his, what God revealed to him panned out with what the Word of God had to say. And guys, I want to encourage you. There's been, there's been a variety of things that have happened in my life to where I look and you say, it, it, it wasn't a Bible verse. I mean, several years ago, not several years ago, it was about three years ago now, uh, I was talking with a friend. Uh, he was talking, uh, he, has, he has adopted two children uh, out of foster care back when they were infants. And um, he, you know, obviously has his radar on for, for the foster care system. And he was speaking about it. And he made the comment, and I, I don't, uh, he'd heard a preacher who made this comment. I, I haven't verified the statistics on this. But they said they knew how many foster children were in the nation. I want to say it was like 165,000 kids, foster kids were in the nation. Ugh. Kids were in foster care in our country. And they said if every church in America would adopt one and a half, how do you do that? <laughs> On average, one and a half foster kids, the foster care system would be emptied. That's an amazing statistic, isn't it? And all of a sudden you bring it down to life to go, hey, listen, I think I can do, I can help in some way. And we were talking about this because my wife and I had talked about, you know, we're empty nesters and we had a desire for that. As I've told you before, my father was a foster child. And uh, that's how he came to know Jesus and that's how I came into existence. And my wife and I talked about it and she had a heart for it. And she's like, but physically we're, we're not in a position to do this. We cannot meet the demands of that. We were, and 
uh, our, the rest of our lives have borne that out. But it's like, okay, what can we do? And it's very interesting because I told my friend, I said, you know, Susan and I have talked about this, but you know what? And we can't do it. I said, but I have a, I have a heart for the kids coming out of the foster care system. Okay, and it, you want to look at some, some, some scary statistics. You go look at statistics on kids coming out of the foster care system. The state of Illinois does a very good job with providing opportunities and resources for them. Some states, they're literally on the street at 18. And I mean the amount of drug addiction, the amount of prostitution, the amount of depression is just astronomically high for this demographic. And so my, my wife and I were talking. It was like, we want to take, we want to be involved. And we've continued to be involved in that capacity. We were actually what's called CASA, Court Appointed Special Advocates for Foster Children for a couple of years. And one of the uh, individuals that we were advocates for, we still have a, a connection with. And we are still reaching into the, the individual's life and trying to do that. Why do we do that, guys? Is Because the Bible is very clear the God, you go look at Psalm 68, it says God is a father to the fatherless. And see, so guys, it's not just a matter of God telling me to go do something off the wall. It's a matter of him telling me something that aligns with his word. And so guys, as you, as you look at that, as you talk about investigating, that's the first place you need to investigate what God's revealing to you. If you have an experience that you tell, know that God is is looking over you and taking care of you, he doesn't want it to end with that experience. He wants you to investigate what his word has to say and to understand what your response to that experience should be. Guys, I ask you the question right now. What has God placed right in front of you now that you need to investigate? What circumstance, what situation do you find yourself in that he says, you think he's wanting you to investigate further? You know, are you asking questions and you listen? Or maybe you don't even recognize it. Maybe you need to, need to take that step to first connect like we talked to and, and move on so you can see what to investigate. Third thing, third move I need to make is I move to understand God more accurately. I don't think I worded this very well because it's kind of like the last one. But guys, I, I thought about just saying that I need to be open-minded. You see, because in both of these situations with both Peter and Cornelius, they're being told the same thing. You see, both men start in the same place. Both men had an incomplete and inaccurate understanding of God. Peter was saying, I shouldn't even eat with Gentiles, much less share the gospel with them. And Cornelius is, is well, we know he had, we know he does not, he's not doing it because, let me just read this to you. Let me read this, guys, in Acts chapter 10. Both men needed to be open-minded because both men were inaccurate and both men were wrong. Let's look at this. Uh, beginning in Acts 10, verses 27 through 29, it says, While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Okay, what he's saying is, I'm doing what I was thought was wrong before. I've crossed the line. He says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone 
impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? Then we jump down to verses 34 through 36. It says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and who does what is right. This is where I want to catch. He says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. What is he telling him there? He's he's not there to tell them about Jesus. He's telling them they already know about. I don't know how they were exposed. But they they know about it without accepting it. Now that may be because of all the whole Jew Jew and Gentile thing. But he is telling both sides here were in a position when this started that they were wrong about something. They had a misunderstanding of God in some capacity. An inaccuracy, if you will. An incompleteness. And we know from the book of Galatians that Peter still struggled with this. Even though he knew it up here, he still continued to put distance between himself and the Gentiles. In certain situations. You see guys, people with an incomplete and inaccurate understanding of God is common all through the Bible. And every one of us has an inaccurate understanding of God at some point. Right now, if God was to show up, He could tell you you're wrong about something. And He would definitely tell me I'm wrong about something. The question is, am I willing to dig into those inaccuracies? Am I willing to find them out? And am I willing to change? You see, guys, that's what connection with God is about. You, you want to know why you don't feel close to God? Sometimes it's because we reject what He's had to tell us. We don't listen to what He has to tell us. We, it's, it may be because it's different than our tradition. It may be just that we don't like it. How many problems in the lives of Christians would go away if we had a more accurate understanding of God about marriage? About leadership in the church. About what it really means to follow Jesus. Guys, on and on I could go. There's another example of this in Acts chapter 18. And I I threw this in here just for the wording of it. But it says, And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. And who they're talking about there is Apollos. Apollos was a man who was speaking about Jesus, but had a limited understanding. There was some information he didn't have. And so Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and taught him more accurately. If you're trying to connect with God, there should be a steady flow of correction in your life. Because nobody's perfect. And I don't believe anybody's going to be perfect through their behavior and their thoughts before they die. It needs to be an ongoing thing. Finally, guys, the last thing, last fourth move we need to make is I need to move 
to obey what God has revealed. God's not giving you information just for the sake of information. He's giving you information. He's correcting your inaccuracies about Him so that you can change. So that you can do something about it. Guys, in the situation with Cornelius, they needed to accept who Jesus was. And they needed to accept, they needed to be physically baptized. That was one of the things that was going on there. I love the way this says this. Let's read this in uh, verses 47 down to chapter 11, verse 3. It says, Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. See, I don't know. He's ordering. And when I first read that, I thought he's commanding Cornelius and his family to be baptized. Could be. It could be that he's commanding his fellow believers that it's okay. They were resistant to baptize. Why do I say that? Well, let's continue on. Chapter 11, verse 1. It says, if you notice there, it says Peter explains his actions. It says, the apostles and believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. You see, guys, Cornelius had to respond, had to obey by being baptized and by believing in Jesus and by accepting the truth about Jesus. Peter had to obey by explaining to the rest of his critics what God was up to. He had some obeying to do. It wasn't just a matter of baptizing these people. If you look in verse 18 of Acts 11, this is what it says. After he had communicated with them, he says, When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. See, Peter's obedience led to other people accepting what God was telling him. That it was okay for the Gentiles to be a part of the the church. That it was okay for Gentiles to be a part of the kingdom of God. And what was the result is they praised, they were excited about it, guys. Let me ask you, has God revealed anything to you right now that you need to obey? I don't need an out loud answer. Or a show of hands. Guys, that's a tough question. I can tell you, he's revealed things to me. I need to obey. I need to obey better. I need to continue to obey. Guys, we have a communication card in our, in our, in your, in your bulletin. And it's a way just to, just to communicate where you are, what's going on. That may be something you you look at and you go, man, I just need to investigate God more. 
I would like to know more about God. I would like to be involved in a Bible study. I would like help connecting with God. You notice how, I didn't even talk about this very much, but in order to connect with God, they connected with each other. It wasn't just them off by themselves praying and having visions. They had to investigate, but part of that investigating was was connecting with each other. And we're going to be talking about that, I believe, next week about our connections with each other in more, in greater depth. But we need to know, guys. That's what the communication card does. If you're interested in that, fill it out. Write it down. You see, guys, it's just... And ultimately, guys, it's just not about you. Each of these men, their decisions on how they're... If, if they connect... What if Cornelius hadn't connected with God? What if he had taken it easy for a while? Kind of, you know, just kicked back. Where does that leave his family? Does his family hear about Jesus? Does his family come to faith in Jesus? I don't know. What if Peter decides to ignore it? What if Peter decides, I'm not going to be the one to stand against this Gentile thing? I don't know if you, if you noticed that. They used a really strong word. He said that Peter was criticized. Who likes dealing with criticism? Guys, you need to understand it's just not about you. It's about your family. It's about your children. It's about your friends. It's about your neighbors. It's about your coworkers. Yes, your coworkers. Your response to Jesus is either an influence to help them see Jesus or to reject Jesus. That's all I got. Let's pray, and you can sing. Father, thank you for... Uh, Father, I just thank you for what you've revealed to us. Father, this story is amazing. It fascinates me, God. It, it, it blows me away that you see two people, both following you, both with misunderstandings and inaccuracies and incompleteness in their faith. And Father, they need each other. And Father, you reach out to each of them. To show, Father, you, this is an awesome example of what Jesus said, that if you seek, we'll find. If we don't seek, we won't find. Father, the truth of the matter is, if I'm not trying to connect with you, I probably won't learn very much. And will probably be resistant to responding to you, Father, to obeying you. Father, I pray right now that as, as, as a church, we are people who truly do want to connect with you. And Father, we're a place where those who don't have a connection can can learn how to connect with you. That's in Jesus we pray. Amen.